and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Season GM. Yes, unfortunately, for those of you listening along at home, you just have myself and Zen this episode. So, uh, sorry. It's okay. We had to leave the other, the crazy person that we normally have with us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wasn't apologizing to you. I was apologizing to the listeners. Oh, we know, I know. Oh, they're here for jewels. <laughs> When she listens to this, if she ever does, I'm less likely to get smacked. <laughs> it's true. I've I, I've gotten to go up and hang out with her, so I I'm okay with getting smacked. One of these days, soon we'll actually get to be able to do that again. That would be nice. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to traveling and people time, and you know, getting out from what can best be described as a unique and for me unprecedented period of time. Yeah. Well, now that we're past that part, today on Season GM, we want to talk to you about an oft overlooked part of GMing, one that can often be taken care of by products from the game you're playing. But if you're running a homebrew or making something completely from scratch, maybe you want a little bit of help, and that's monsters, or at oh. least creatures. Yeah, because, I mean, Human monsters are are pretty easy for people to make. I mean, kind of. I mean, it's one of those things where you just take those things that you find most disturbing and deplorable and make the person do that. Just because you are a horror genre fan and find it easy to channel that doesn't mean everyone else does. And so a lot of times they're going to look first to, you know, a creature compendium, a bestiary, something that takes a little bit of a different kind of thought, but that is rife with possibilities, which is what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Now, those can be great jumping off points because I am one of those people that I like to create all kinds of unique things that aren't necessarily in there where somebody can't turn to the page and go, no, but their stats are this. So that's kind of my whole thing on it. So that's why for me, I always feel like creating a monster is not the same sort of kind of mental processes and thought processes that you go through when you're creating a human type or an actual human monster because they're kind of radically different from each other. So, um, now creatures are a really common feature, though, in a lot of role playing games. And they do provide a chance to round out, you know, your world as well as indulge in 
kind of the animal kingdom's most inventive combinations, if you will. Oh, are you ready to talk about combinations? No. But no, yeah, there are several ways to kind of go about that. And I also like to look at mythological creatures because that's kind of the basis of a whole lot of the fantasy, modern fantasy, and even sci-fi genres. And there's a lot of options there, too. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, now, one of the things that I want to, what we want to, like, touch on are... There's some really broad kind of overview areas that you can use to kind of grab some of these ideas that we're going to talk about. Now, the actual designing of one, part of that's going to fall on the game system that you're using. Because if you're using a game system that's really rules crunchy, you're going to have to design it with those rules in mind. So that's just something to keep in mind as we're talking about this. We're going to tell you where to kind of draw some inspiration and, and ideas like that, but the actual designing of one kind of falls back on you and the game system that you're running in. Because if, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to create a monster for every single gaming system that's out there because that would be a lot of work. And I don't have that kind of energy. But... Go for it. I can say, let's start by just kind of listing at, at least five ways or five places from which uh, we want to kind of talk about where these non-human monsters, these creatures, can come from. Okay. All right. I got one. Cryptids. Now, haven't, we, we, haven't we already done that? We did. It was back in episode 87, though. So it's people should go back and re-listen to episode 87. They and I mentioned, was... yeah, I, I mentioned myth. Yeah, totally. Myths are a great one. And it also gives you, as a GM, it gives you a little bit of insight into some different cultures that are not the one that you're from. So that's another, like, fun little tie-in that you can do with that one. Um, one that is... <laughs> What that's kind of fun is a mashup. Basically, what you do is you take two animals and you just kind of smash them together and you kind of have something. I mean, one of my personal, well, at least one of my personal favorites to play with in, in this setting here, uh, kind of dreams and nightmares, things that reflect or signify uh, deeper or darker issues and questions. Uh, that's a We've talked about uh, the Lovecraft mythos before, and I think that's a great place to, to kind of look for that. So, Zen, when we look at the different kinds of ways we can make these creatures, what's one of your favorite ways to play with mashups? Okay, well, there's a great example in D&D. And that the is... The greatest ever. <laughs> that is the owl bear. This guy is literally a mashup of an owl and a bear, just like the name says. It is ridiculous. Glorious. But it's amazing. It's also really fun because it's iconic to Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, it's one of the few that's like, oh, that's that is like straight up out of 
D&D, like the owl bear. Everyone knows it's from that. And then, um, what do you have? You said, like, dreams and nightmares as one of yours. Yeah, I did. And uh, one of the things I kind of like to do is, is creatures that inhabit uh, dreams and nightmares that there's a way at night when people sleep that uh, these creatures can come over and so you get non-euclidean geometric creatures you you get things that do not move like living things but seem to bleed and play on the question of what is kind of knocking in the dark what is going on at night uh that uh, the night gaunts out of HP Lovecraft, I think, are another one that uh, can be referenced as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it that is straight up out of the um, what is it the the story that's uh, uh, Kadath. Oh, you got. But there's that. also there's also a poem that he wrote called Night Gaunts, and that's where they first showed up. But they later show up in the dream cycle, which is literally about him dreaming in these weird places. So, yeah, I mean, those well, are that, pulled right out of that. Yeah. And, and that's where you shouldn't. That's, that's where you can kind of let a lot of those horror elements out and, and think about any of those kind of horror creatures, any of the, the, that era of movie that was about uh, creatures and not necessarily people those horror movies are great examples of things that you can kind of draw inspiration from. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's another fun one. Um, we did, when we talked about cryptids, there was a few that we talked about, but there was one that I didn't get to. And I kind of wish we had, because these are kind of some of the crazy things that are out there. And they cryptids are, pretty much just kind of the new mythologies of the world today. They're the monsters and things. So, but if you look at something like uh, the Mokale uh, Mbebe uh, what if they're real and like wandering around in your swamps or your sewers? I mean, it's basically a kind of lizard alligator thing that lives in at least where it's originally from it lives in like the rivers well, so, I mean there's all kinds of places you can stick it. it one of my favorites is the Mongolian death worm well that's you know way up there it depends <laughs> No, but yeah, cryptids. There's a whole thing out there about the these lost species or animals that don't really fit. It, it's about you know the monster hunters. It, it's Bigfoot. It's Yetis. It, it's Nessie and the Fook monster. It, it's the Mongolian deathworm and the Jersey Devil. It's Mothman. All of these. Now, some of them now are there are logical too. Well, yeah. And some games actually have already started to incorporate cryptids as things that they're putting into current games. Like, I know in Pathfinder, they released uh, one that had, it had Chupacabras, it had Mothman, 
it had it had several like various uh, cryptids that they just ported into a fantasy setting, and it was really cool. So yeah, it can totally be done, and it's very easy to do. Well, as easy as designing anything can be, if it's really within your your wheelhouse and you really like doing it, it's not as hard as you might think. Now, we saved. There's just two more left, and that is the mythical. And there's a really fun example. So I wanted to find something that was not. Because I did a lot of like looking for different types of things. And this guy is hilarious. And it is a Ryuji. I believe is how you pronounce it. It is Japanese, so you will have to forgive me because I'm horrible at pronunciations. But basically, it's a creature that can hide in a person's belly button. Okay. But it's like a, it's a full-size person, demon thing, spirit. But it can hide inside of a person's belly button. <laughs> so now, think about that. And what could you do with a creature that can hide in such small places? That's a normal-sized thing that can hide in something as small as just a belly button. All you know. sorts of questions, yeah, about about uh, how much space really would matter to them, and then cultural questions. Yeah, uh, that's that's a species issue. That's a cultural question. <laughs> you also can create your own, and a lot of times, creating your own may run into the mashup and the cryptids. It may be taking some of what you've already seen and learned and, and giving it a twist and making it your own. It could also be just making something up out of thin air. Mm -hmm. And I, I think two of the other really good examples of that from, let's say Dungeons and Dragons, the largest and, and most successful role-playing game on the market, are you know things like the Illithids, the Mind Flayers, and the Beholders, both of which pretty much just took some kind of a concept and went off sideways and are tied into uh, Dungeons and Dragons and their IP in ways that, you know, an orc, an elf, even an owlbear isn't. Uh, a Rust Monster would be another one. Yeah, I was, I was actually just going to say the Rust Monster because that was. <laughs> the the story that I've heard is that he had found a bunch of plastic kids' toys, and the one that looked is the iconic Rust monster was just a random one in this like dinosaur pack that didn't fit, and so he made his own version of what it actually was because it wasn't any known dinosaur. So he created this whole thing about what a Rust monster was, and that's where it came from. So I, I had the, I think I had one of the toys that, that was based on when I was growing up. One of the little things, um, mm -hmm. but that's a really good start. Really good question. Um, the idea of using bestiaries means that you get to also create an ecology. This also is where you can introduce insects, and maybe we'll do something about botany and. and plants at a different time but when you're getting to make these creatures don't forget their behavior should also kind of reflect what they are uh, predators yeah. great but they're honestly usually cowards 
they're, they're not going to fight something stronger than them on an even playing field. Yeah. It just how things work in reality. If it's something that is based off of a, a jungle cat, it's probably going to stalk quietly and over time and then ambush whoever is left behind. Yeah. You're dealing with a creature that's based off of, um, let's say a pack creature of some kind, say uh, a gazelle. Remember the whole pack of them are going to behave through, through cues in similar ways. So, yeah. Oh, like birds, uh, yeah. where they flock. Yep. Like, or a murderous crows. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun ways that you can like pull ecology from the real world into your creatures. And you should. Because if you're pulling any inspiration from things that are around you, you really do need to kind of look at the patterns that they would naturally those those types of creatures would naturally have. And you know, kind of go from there because those are things that you need to think about. If you want them to feel like they're alive and actually a thing. Well, and you don't have to go no. overboard with them. You don't have to go overboard with the science and have it completely perfectly thought out and, and fit into the larger ecosystem, but enough to give it that sense of verisimilitude. And mm -hmm. we can come back to this topic and kind of address the, the unliving and, and automatons at a different time, because I think that would take what is a fairly quick and, and I think effective segment into something that we could go on for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've got some other ideas already for things in that regard already. So yes, we will definitely have to, to do a, an episode on. And, and we'll come, we'll come back and look at something like a library and maybe call it a, let's say a, um, maybe a zoo or, or a, a sideshow episode and kind of run through some different creatures and ideas, kind of an extended stat block of Palooza, uh, but focus it on creatures at some point in the future. Or oh, if yeah. you'd like us to do that, you know what you should do? They should find us on our social media platforms. And tell us that. Yes, because you should like, rate, and review us across all social media in ways that are advantageous so that the algorithm likes us and more people find us. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, Tumblr still being used? Uh, sort of. It exists. Same thing for the Instagram. Uh, but especially the Discord, the Patreon, and, and I'd say those are really some of the best places to, to find us. But those uh, that'll help let us know what the next conversation should be. And in the meantime, Zen. Well, before we go into our next topic, I just wanted to say that we have at least one new person recently who came to the Discord. And I am just going to call him out because he had uh, mentioned that he was having kind of a rough time and. Remember when I had backed the uh, Fate of Cthulhu Kickstarter and I accidentally bought a second copy of the book? Accidentally, yes. I did. Actually, it was completely on accident. I thought I was only getting the one, and I accidentally purchased a second copy. Well, this guy um, had said that you know he 
we got we got to talking on Twitter because that is where I predominantly spend time on social media. And we were just we chatted for a few minutes and I said he was kind of in a bad spot and he really wanted to be able to read some of their stuff and Evil Hat being the awesome people that they are said, "Hey, you know, we've got a lot of stuff that's, you know, pay what you can." Which they do that because not everybody can afford to buy a physical copy. So they offer digital for, you know, pay whatever you can. And I just really wish that more people would take that. But this guy, we talked for just a couple of minutes and I was just like, I have a spare copy. I'm literally just sitting on it. I was planning on giving it away at in a giveaway on the show. And I felt like this was a better way to do it was somebody that really needed something, really wanted it. And so I got this guy's information and I sent him a copy of the book that I had just because. So if you can find out who that is on our Discord, you'll get a shiny red button. I don't know. But long story short, I gave this guy my other copy of the book because I wanted that's the kind of thing that I always want to be able to do. And you would find that out if you followed us on social media platforms. So that's my too too long of a rant about that sort of thing. So let's go ahead and roll on into our step block system-neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Okay. I can go ahead and go. Yeah. (laughs) The Beast of Trolley Fen. Rarely have creatures like this ever stalked humanity as their prey. It is hard to hide when your very electromagnetic field gives you away, tingling the hunter's special glands and warning them of your attempt to flee. It's harder even to make an escape when your predator glows faintly, showing you how close it is, causing you to run faster in your electrical field to give you away even more. The poison you know awaits you if caught will leave you writhing in agony and swollen from its effects. You try to escape knowing the carnivorous beast is not far behind you. Legends and stories call the beast of this fen a true monstrosity, stitched together of the nightmares of all humankind. You know the scent of your own fear will give you away, and try to make it to the stream that feeds the lake around this fen. You slide into it quietly and shiver as you try to disguise your scent, but lose hope as you realize it is splashing into the water not far from you. Even as it swims to you, outpacing your feeble attempts to escape, you realize all is lost. Even as you feel the sharp pain of its poison spur, you cannot believe your eyes. Only as your scream falls into the garbled sound of your drowning and excruciating pain can you begin to believe that you've been the victim of the legendary dire platypus of Trolley Fen. Uh, 
That is amazing. Oh my god, that is amazing, dude. All of these are, in fact, features of the platypus in real life. So, remember... About halfway in, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, sometimes the real animal kingdom will, in fact, be your best source of inspiration. That is awesome. I like it. What do you have? The shadows in the old abandoned house seem to flicker and move, just like the shadows from a fire. There's only one small problem. There is no fire. They clung to the ceilings and the holes in the plaster walls. The forms were not animal. Oh no, they seemed humanoid. The folk of this place make no sounds that regular people can hear. If you've touched the darkness in the world, then you might be able to hear them. Their voices are like hollow reeds crying in the wind. What makes them want to be in this world? Once you stopped looking at them, they started to drop from the places they had been hiding. Yes, the shadows. That is where they hide from prying human eyes. As they touch down on the old worn floorboards, there's only the slightest creak, and you spin back to see what made the noise, but too late. The hand that grabbed you was far too strong to be human. The form is almost visible, but the feel of the claws digging into your force you to drop the light that you have. The rolling flashlight illuminates them as they close in to bite. How can the face be? That is... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, now, we have talked about this before. If you want to read our ideas on how you could possibly use these in various games, go check out the doobly-doos. Underneath each entry is a short little part on our thoughts on what we were creating. So, let's flip on into our lexicon. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. So, you ready for this word? Yes. Necrosis. Ooh. Right? I mean, we just went dark, 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 dark. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also just decomposition. It, it's, you know, just part of the cycle of life, which kind of fits into the bestiary theme in a way. Yep. Now, the definition of this amazingly uh, fairly common noun is usually localized death of living tissue. So it's just like a particular part, like if you have a a thing that's starting to die or whatever. Now, the history and etymology of necrosis is late Latin from Greek, necrosis from necron, which is to make dead, and from necros, which is a dead body. So, first known use is 1583. 
and the lookup popularity is the bottom 50% of words. So, kind of a, uh, just a general good word to kind of have in your back pocket if you need to be kind of uh, descriptive. So, very, very nice. Okay, well, that goes ahead and wraps us up, folks. So, let's go ahead and hit our closing remarks, and we will get on out of here. I'll let you go ahead and go first. All right. So, it, mine is a movie, and it's called Pie Wacket. Now, if you like horror movies, and not the, you know, blood and gore kind, you really need to check it out, because it's a very cool psychological version of like the craft in that sort of vein of like teenage witch. So definitely should check it out because it's, it's interesting how it goes. And the entire cast consists of four five people like the majority of the cast is it's only a like five people in the cast so very cool yeah it's it's a real small cast even though it takes place with some stuff in a high school but really they don't have any other you know they may be saying things in the background or whatever but predominantly just these five characters so you should definitely check it out it's fun so what do you got jabberwocky <laughs> the greatest nonsense poem of the English language also is one that can inspire creatures and descriptions and it, its absolute lack of mooring in reality certainly can lead to some great creatures. And, and in fact, it's kind of known for uh, having that effect. Yeah. Uh, the bandage is a, a word that came out of that poem. Uh, you got uh, Things like fruminous to describe the bandersnatch. What is a jub-jub bird? These are, are inspirations yeah. that you can use for the theme of our episode, which is creating those, those creatures, the bestiary, with which you will populate your world. Yeah, that is a great one. I love it. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, that kind of wraps us up on a nice tight little bow. So, which is good because we're recording it as things just kind of get a little busy and crazy. We are rapidly approaching the Western Hemisphere's holidays, and so it's kind of getting backed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just so everyone knows, episode one ten, which is not this one, but the next one is going to be uh I believe that one falls very close to Christmas time. So I am just going to say if we don't get much done or you don't you're kind of coming in and out right now, Zen. So I'm assuming uh, what you're trying to say is that should that next episode 110 be coming out around the 
end-of-year holidays, be they uh, your Christmas or other derivations or, or related winter solstice festivals, we may just wax poetic about the nature of the year and think and talk about gaming and creativity generally. Just remember that in December, we get super busy and everybody's got, you know, Zoom family meetings and all of that fun stuff if you can't get out and see family. Um, but if you, you will hear the last episode of the year really close to Christmas and it's not going to be like what we normally do. So, just with that in mind, uh, we will see you guys very soon. So, have fun. Play some games. And roll some dice. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our topic. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you've gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then there's also like just complete creations. Now, these are kind of things that are created from ideas that you have and that can come from literally everything else that we've all the other four. If you want to like just grab bits and pieces of all of them and throw them together, you'll have something that is completely unique and it is a unique creation unlike anything else. So, let's go ahead and talk about... What do you want to start with in there? Because we're not going to touch on automatons, either sci-fi or fantasy. We're not going to touch on the undead or unliving, as they prefer to be referred to. But we've got kind of these creatures in these five different ways to think about them. And so Zen talking about mashups, what's one of the ones you like?
Uh-oh. Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening along at home, perhaps you're hearing this technical difficulty that Zen did not edit out. I do not hear the Zen. He is not speaking, or at least he's not show to be speaking. Perhaps something has gone wrong. As I was saying, it will be fixed in post. Zen, what is your favorite mashup, kind of, or at least an example of a mashup? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I don't know if Craig's still recording or not. Craig is still recording. I have not stopped him. <laughs> well, that's I was fun. I was just starting to. I was actually starting to type in the command to stop it, and you came back. And so, I assume you'll fix yeah. this in post. In the oh, meantime, I'm have to now. there's a nice chunk right here in the middle. So, in three, we'll just give it some silence. You've got a place to kind of cut. All right. Yeah. In one. Okay. So two. One. A two.